Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town. Although, in that case, one earphone only. Safety kids. I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. If you are not subscribed, now would be a good time. Season's here. Do not miss an episode. We're three times weekly starting next week. Our post-game pod Sunday nights, which will be live-streamed as well. And then tape review on air in the middle of the week. And then obviously end of the week, we will have a preview of the upcoming game. So week two uh, will be our, our Denver preview pod. That'll come out late in the week next week. Uh so, commander's offense. This is obviously the biggest question sure. here. And that's actually before we dive into what the Arizona defense looks like in the matchup. Real quick news note that came through this morning and, and how relevant is it? Commander signed Jamison Crowder to the practice yep. squad, a guy that, that. Uh, I guess you would have crossed with for a, a training yeah. camp. Uh, and I covered his entire career here. Um, yeah. Great, great dude. Uh, one of my favorite guys to cover. Always kind of funny because he looked, uh, he had like an 80 year old man face from the time that he was 21 years old yeah. and still looks the exact same today and will until he's 80. Um, yeah. But Jamison's now 30. Um, he's been a- around the league a little bit, had some nice years with the Jets, a couple of big catches here and there with the Bills, but hasn't been a full time punt returner in a long time, hasn't really been a full time receiver in a long time, been more towards the end of rosters. Is this something that you know is is a is actually worth paying attention to, or is it just a splashy headline for a veteran on the practice squad, and it's splashy because he's been here before? I mean, I think I think it's important. I think it's a guy who is kind of like that twitchy, sure-handed guy that I think a lot of people have been calling for as the punt returner. And you know, I think he's a guy that you know he fills one of those uh, you know veteran practice squad roles. Great, and if something were to happen at punt returner and I think also like the Kaz Allen thing plays a role in this a little bit. You're not shows you're not 100 percent confident in him. Something happens to Dax, then you got a guy. You're ready to go, and maybe Dax doesn't produce the way you want him to produce, and now you've definitely got a guy, right? Or supposedly, I mean, at least to me, it's at least worth kicking the tires on. You know, I, I'm a big fan 100%. of Jameson Crowder, really good football player, all those things, right? But you know, what is the old adage like? Time waits for no man, right? So like, where is he at at this point in his career? How healthy is he? How consistent can he be here? I don't know, but at least he's in the building now and you can watch him every day in practice and say, oh, he's in good shape. He can do what we need him to do. And in a pinch or, or maybe he, he beats Dax out. I don't know. You know what I mean? But that's kind of what you've. That's what kind of what I wonder. What this affords you. you know. Yeah. Can, can he beat Dax out? Like yeah. he is a savvy route runner. Um, he's He's got great short area or he had great short area quickness. Yep. Obviously, I haven't seen him in person in a while. Um, but, you know, if if Dax is just kind of this. I don't know, um, replacement level version can Crowder in this offense and as a punt returner be Plus. more than that. Yeah. And you now get a chance to see that up close every day in your building. They run the same routes in practice. They do the same stuff and whoever does it better is ultimately going to get called up. 
And you can put Dax right back on the practice squad, likely, if he wants to, yeah. to sign with you on, on the practice squad. So um, I, I think I, that's going to be interesting to watch. I don't know about for this week, but by next so. week. Because um, the other it, thing, too, is uh, just real quick, like yeah. housekeeping-ish type of thing. Isn't it when you sign like a vested veteran after week one, you don't have to guarantee their contract for the season? So if you Correct. get through this week with him on the practice squad, sign him next week, then you could move on at any time without having to pay a salary the rest of the season, which is helpful. Um, obviously, it's less money out of Josh Harris's pocket, but also from a cap perspective, you don't you don't cost yourself the sure. rest of the season of his salary. So in that way, it makes sense to potentially wait a week as well. Hundred percent, and also I think it's just a good trial period. You know, like does he like how is he in the meetings? How is he catching punts? Like all those things you want to see. Because like, you know, I was here in the parking lot the other day and I saw him pull up. I was like, oh, is that Jameson? Whatever. And then like he just walked right back out. So I don't think he actually did like a trial. I think he just got a physical and then bounced. You know, um, yeah. so like they probably want to just make sure everything's good. And that's very common practice. Like when I got cut and, and signed in Houston, for example, um, like I did the same thing. I didn't go to like run a forty or hit a bag. It was like, Hey man, take your physical, feel okay. All right. You're on the team. So I think that's probably kind of what you're looking at here. And then the, that, that week of practice is kind of where they get their evaluation. Where do you fit? What's your role going to be? How are you picking up the book? All that kind of stuff. And you know, they probably do their homework on that. And people here probably still know him. There's a couple of people in the building that, that Chad obviously knows him and stuff like that. So I think that's, that this just makes a lot of sense. I don't think, don't expect any like crazy, moves this week kind of for what you said and also like maybe it's not the right fit maybe after this week they feel like it's not the right move and they go in a different direction but um i, I think it's good to get a guy like that with his skill set in the building and just see if it elevates the team no doubt all right so that leads us to the guys that will be playing this week how's this commander's offense match up against a cardinals defense that we expect to look similar schematically sure. to what the eagles ran uh, obviously last year has some talented players on it buda baker who's you know obviously as good as it gets in the entire league zavin collins good young players has had some nice uh moments in the nfl sure other spots on the roster, uh, probably some 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 building blocks to be acquired in the future. But yeah. uh, what what do you like? What does a Jonathan Gannon defense look like, and how do the Commanders match up? So Jonathan Gannon is a guy that I've always associated as playing like softer coverage shells. You know, like a little bit. There's a little bit of like match principle to it, but I just tend to think of him as being a little bit more conservative. And if you look at his time in Philadelphia, like. They had a really great defensive line. You could be a little bit more conservative, rely on that group to make some plays. And um, and then obviously you had uh, Bradbury and Slay in the back end that could do some of that match stuff at a high level, but also could play that zone with eyes to the quarterback and get their hands on the football and create turnovers. So after watching the preseason, I, I would expect this group, because the front's not as talented, to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of how often he's calling man, how often he's calling match, how often he's calling zone match, and how often he's bringing pressure. Because one of the things that we've talked about is like if you can't generate pressure with four, you need to either simulate pressure or you need to bring blitzes, right? So I think you're going to see a lot of that. Obviously, it's Gannon's defense. He's not the defensive coordinator. Um, he's he like so he won't be calling the defense necessarily. Uh, he might be calling, but the guy that's installing it is another guy, the linebacker coach from Philly. Um, and so what I think is really interesting is when you say, well, when was the last time that this offense or this defense, excuse me, went up against this offense or this this installation of the offense, it was obviously the Super Bowl. So I went back and rewatched the Super Bowl, and, you know, Gannon was kind of on script there. You know, he was a little bit more conservative in terms of coverage shell, relied on the defensive line quite a bit. I thought Kansas City did a really nice job of getting in and out of certain personnels because at, at its base, at its core, 
Philly or Philly, this Gannon defense is a 3-4, right? They want big bodies in the middle, four linebackers, two edge-setting kind of rush players, whereas Avon Collins moved from an inside-the-box player to an edge player is kind of more of a pass rusher, right? But when you see that, you can manipulate that, especially if they're matching your personnel, right? So I, th- I thought um, when I watched the game, uh, you know, Andy Reid did a great job of saying, hey, we're in 12 personnel with K- Travis Kelsey on the field. They're going to match in four down. That helps our protection rules. That helps us run the football and kind of finding stuff like that. Also, the coverage structures are really conservative. And again, if you look at um, Kansas City's offense, there's not like a burner there. Like their best player is Travis Kelsey. So it was an interesting decision to move to some of these more conservative shells. But the thing I thought was really interesting is as a changeup, I kind of when they had to have it, they'd get in these really tight coverage shells with maybe a, like a simulated pressure. And the tighter coverage shells were just enough to throw off Patrick Mahomes, right? And so my question is when you're looking at some of these, um, some of these coverage variations is how you prep a young quarterback for those moments. Because really what you're hoping is that the quarterback is surprised, makes a bad throw, the ball's turned over. Because say what you want about the secondary. You mentioned Buda Baker. Obviously, Wilson is their other corner that's a very good football player, a guy that, I, in my opinion, is kind of underrated. And he's on a bad defense, so no one's talking about him. But him and then um, the the rookie out of Utah is the other guy that's playing corner for him. They are very opportunistic in terms of getting their hands on the football. So they're not slaying bat Bradbury, but if I'm, I'm calling a good defensive game, I show the quarterback one thing a couple times, then make a switch, bring a pressure. What's young Sam Howell going to do? So in terms of shape and complexity, I don't think there's anything here that you say, oh my gosh, it's not like they're playing the Giants week one where it's like it's going to be bombs over Baghdad. There's going to be <laughs> you know, really aggressive man coverage. We're going to really be challenged from how we protect stuff and really put a lot on the quarterback's fight. It's not like that. It's way more conservative. I do expect it to be a little bit more aggressive than what you saw in Philly. Because, again, the personnel's not there. Like, you're going to need to blitz. You're going to need to um, kind of play more aggressive match coverage because I don't think you've got enough really, really talented players like in zone schemes, right? You'll see it, but I would expect a higher percentage of those other two things. So, you know, I think um, I think when you look at the, the Kansas City game as an example, obviously there's some things and some tendencies that EB is aware of that he can exploit, and he exploited that in those in those games or that in those games. And I always wonder, like, you know, if you're the defensive coordinator, like how much emphasis do you spend on making sure that was corrected? Or do you say, oh, that was a one-off kind of issue? So I'm really excited to watch that side of the football from the EB, Jonathan Gannon kind of head-to-head matchup. But I'm also excited to see, like, what does Jonathan Gannon do to kind of lift up this average personnel? Because you can't do what he was doing in Philly because you don't have the horses. Defenses can play simple coverage structures, when you've got horses up front and horses in the back end. He doesn't have that anymore. So what is his adjustment? He's been very vocal in the media the last couple of days, basically saying, like, I don't believe in a scheme. One particular scheme, I believe in fitting the scheme to the players. So in the preseason, again, a little bit more match coverage, but what is, what is, the, what is the big picture change? I'm really curious to see. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
out. Um, I think it's really important in every game this year, but especially in this one, when you have the better personnel, I think, especially on the outside, like how do the commanders dictate the game? Yeah. You know, how, how do they use some of the things that have been these huge emphasis or emphases? I think that's the plural of emphasis because it's emphases. not emphasis is uh, the emphases in camp. Um, of tempo, right? Of yeah. of distributing the ball in a certain way to have the the defense always feel like they're on their heels. And I think when you have a team playing its first game for real in a what will be a little bit of a I mean it's always, you know, different when the other side of the ball is on the field. It's more of a hostile environment when the defense is out there for the home team because you want your you know your crowd to calm down. Uh but kind of the the energy of the stadium is going to feel hostile towards yeah. Arizona. You know, and it's this big moment. How does a young team with a lot of uh, a lot of potential, let's say, uh, nice way of saying not a ton of developed talent, um, <laughs> react? And so, obviously, the commanders have a lot of that as well, like starting yeah. at the quarterback position, but also Sam Cosme, his first game uh, at right guard. You know, how does how does some of these young players on the offensive line, Sadiq Charles, obviously at the other side, react? Um, Andrew Wiley's first game with a new team, like there's going to be nerves and everything everywhere. Um, it's, it's game one. You have those butterflies, all, all that kind of stuff, but how do the commanders, you know, no pun intended, take command of the game? How do they, <laughs> how do they ultimately, I was like, can I find another way to say this? No, I'm just going to roll with it. Um, how do they dictate based off of, you know, their tempo, their play sure. calls to this Arizona defense and leave Gannon like kind of scrambling to, retrofit a solution uh in the middle of a game that that to me is what's going to be the key for washington because the alternative to that is how second guessing himself and you know all the, all the questions are looming you know that that have been looming in the background bubble up you know can the offensive line protect like these are the kinds of things that are going to you know kind of come to the surface and the the emotions of the game get to you if they're taking it to you a little bit and you have these questions that you feel confident in going into the game and all of a sudden, maybe there's a little bit of doubt that creeps in. So I, I do think it's important for Bienemy to manage the game, but I think he's more than capable. And and I anticipate seeing, you know, heavy dose of run, play action, the RPOs, getting the ball, the extensions of the run game stuff, quick game. Like I expect to see a lot of that early to kind of establish, like, hey, this is who we are. We're here. Time to get this rhythm. Yeah. And then eventually you open it up for some deeper shots later on in the game. Yeah, I remember there was something Kyle always used to do about finding the quarterback an easy touch early in the game. You know, find whatever it is, just to help him settle in. I think that's kind of what you're alluding to there in terms yeah. of approach. Um, so, yeah. Also, you know, the I, offensive line, too. Like, you know, your early yeah. touch equivalent is like, hey, let's run the ball a little bit, even if it's not um, if it's not Ideal. super successful. Yeah. Like, let's let our guys get firing off the ball a little bit and hit as opposed to having a pass set and be hit. Yeah, because there is something I will say to like kind of get in that first big run block in the game because it lets you kind of, kind of, I don't want to say it wakes you up, but that first clang of the helmet, you're like, okay, now we're in it. And your body kind of has a, has a response, like an adrenal response almost. You're like, okay, here, it's time to party. So I definitely agree. I think that's what you'll see. And I think it'll be a big part of the day is going to be about managing emotion, like you were talking about. Man, I think managing emotion offensively, just kind of keeping everybody even keel, um, and also, I, I love what you said about kind of finding ways to dictate to the defense, finding easy throws, finding opportunities where you can kind of control and regulate what that defense is going to do. So I think that's something, again, yeah, I'd love, you know, probably the first two drives, something I'll be watching a lot very closely. But I would expect them to get in some, I don't want to say unusual personnel groupings, but maybe some different personnel groupings just to see if they can get 
kind of say, oh, hey, we're going to get because like you know the one of the drawbacks with a three with a three four like Arizona runs is you get these big bodies on the field, and that's that's a plus if you're trying to stop the run. But if you're trying to stop the pass, then it's not very effective. You know what I'm saying? So you create yeah. these big throwing, these big gaping cavernous holes in the in the second level of your defense because you lose a coverage player, it becomes a rusher. Or if you do drop them, it's a big kind of guy who's not used to dropping in a coverage. So I would expect if I if I was making a game plan, Logan Paulson, I would probably lean into some of that stuff a little bit. See if I could regulate the front. Because another thing, you can't run super complicated coverage structures if you're in a five man pressure. Or you can, but you're going to have holes. So let's see if we can find some holes for Sam Howell and get the ball out of his hand quick like you're talking about and, and maximize what we're doing. So yeah, um, last last thing real quick. And by the way, I did a terrible hosting thing. I didn't tell everybody what's coming up at the end of the podcast. You did not tell anybody. I, well, I forgot to remind you, so that's a terrible, like, I'm not a, I'm a co- I guess I'm a co-host, right? Yeah, you're definitely a co-host, but it's definitely not your responsibility. Don't don't you take this off my plate. This okay. is on me. Right. I'm talking to Mark Schlereth in a little bit, and yeah. that conversation's coming up uh, here at the end of the podcast. <laughs> so uh, before we get to stink, uh, you know, people, the thing about a podcast, though, is like, it's in the title. So people know, yeah. um, you know, hey, big mystery guest. Oh, the one that you put in the title and description of the episode. Anyway, the point is, uh, quickly to, to wrap up our portion here, um, would you prioritize Sam or like getting touches for other guys? And the example I'll use is like, would you consider doing something funky with like Curtis as a wildcat or, you know, like when you put him in the backfield, like do some of the stuff to try to get Curtis a touch, you know, a little jet pass to Terry, something like that. Or are you prioritizing getting Howell in a rhythm um, early in this game? 100% Sam Howell, but I think you can do both. So I think a yeah. screen to Curtis is an easy touch for Sam and it's an easy touch for Curtis a little jet sweep or, you know, bubble to Terry or like kind of an RPO to Terry or like that shallow cross concept that they ran so great against Baltimore. Love that, you know, find something where you can get your star. Everybody's getting a touch, but what is the easiest thing for Sam? And let's work backwards from that. So what's yeah. easiest for Sam and then who are we going to put in that spot to get that touch? Yeah, you, you said funky personnel groupings, and I was like, I don't know. How funky could we get? How funky uh, let's, can we get? Let's, let's keep Hal under center or behind center and shotgun. Uh, let's let's not throw him out anywhere funky. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think fun. you'll see something funky at some point. Yeah. But I, I, but I, I would say let's, early. Let's, get him, let's get him going early is what I would say. Definitely. All right. Uh, so that's, that's that. Next time, Logan and I are talking into microphones. Sunday. Yes. Pre-game. Pre-game. The Take Command pregame show. Live from Tap Sports Bar at Bet MGM, or at, sorry, at MGM National Harbor. Uh, so go. we will see everybody there. Uh, but next, here on the podcast, Mark Schlereth joins me for some talking uh, before he also talks into microphones on Sunday as he and Adam Amin are on the call for Fox. Stink next here on Take Command. <laughs> 